Hello. Hello and hi. <laughs> We have another very special guest star. Right? She's back. She's back for more. That's right. Or maybe you guys are back for more. So, and she's back for season three, episode twenty-six, Melrose Impossible. And boy, was this episode impossible! Yeah, no argument for me there. Okay, it felt like filler. Um, uh, yes, yes, and no, because I feel like some of the stuff they were doing. It's like a logical connector from where we were to where we're going. I just don't really care for any of what they're doing. I mean, in general, long-term storyline-wise, I do. But in terms of like some of the small stuff that's happening, I really don't care. To the point where when we get to that storyline, I'll talk more about it. Because I knew some of the stuff that was to come. I think I basically tuned out all the dialogue because I just didn't care or like it. For which storyline? The the Joe storyline. Yeah, okay. So first of all, Thomas Calabro deserves a medal. Well, does he? He does. This is the most hideous storyline I think they could have given him. And it makes me wonder why they even gave it to him, except that they felt like maybe they just really like having him on the episodes, and they were like, we have to give him something to do, so let's make him stalk Amanda. Yeah, I mean that's that's. I think the let's give him something to do thing is totally always in the back of their mind. I just feel like if you're going to do a Michael and Amanda storyline, as we've been saying, like then make that the hot couple. This is weird. Well, and also it's completely out of character for Michael. He's yeah. not a stalker obsessed guy. He's no. like he like jumps from bed to bed. Yeah, he doesn't pine. He's all it. Like he's like I want what's in front of me. And if I can't get it, I'll find something else in front of me, and that's all. Right. Moving on, like he is like the ultimate cat, and then all of a sudden he's like obsessed with Amanda to the point where he's stalker stalking her. Yeah, I don't I mean, think so. It doesn't ring true. I get it. You know, with that, she's got a cleaner bill of health than even the healthiest person alive. All of a sudden, so I guess it looks real good on her. No, this is <laughs> it's gross. This storyline isn't fun. It doesn't make sense. It's not consistent. It's it's dumb. I mean, we can basically. I mean, the storyline basically is Michael is stalking Amanda, and Amanda's getting pissed. Yeah, Amanda's not having it. She's Amanda, not having it. Amanda has all of her wits about her again. So, and so she's essentially like, if you keep stalking me, I'm you know going to report you. She does try and report him um, yeah. to her oncologist, who oddly is like. Well, he's your primary care doctor, so you can't report him. Yeah, that was, well, that was the most ridiculous. That thing. was Alyssa's favorite part of the whole thing. It was, <laughs> no, it was so, it's irony. I say that. Yeah, it was just—it was so stupid and so like it was really bad writing because they were like, "Well, how do we manipulate this situation so that she can't get help?" Well, I've always said that like there's no reason why Michael shouldn't have been Disbarred. stripped of his. <laughs> many, many times. But, um, yeah, that was the most ridiculous. He's like, well, he's your primary position, so I can't do anything about that. Bye. Because what would have happened if, if Kimberly was still off, and we'll get to this, and, and mad at Michael and, you know, starting to go crazy, hating everyone, but the Michael and Amanda part of that storyline was done. 
and all we had was Amanda like trying to do her dirty work at D and D, and then we just had Michael like being a cad or like not being as central in the episode. I don't think it's any worse. I don't like, think you- it's any worse either. I think that this by dragging the terrible Amanda and Michael romance, the fizzle, yeah, yeah, out this way. It just is. It, it like I just every scene. I just kind of sat there and shook my head, and I was like, "Poor Thomas Calabro." Yeah, and Poor it's man. not. It's, and it's not like they have to do this because otherwise, Amanda is without a storyline. She has plenty of storyline right now. Right, it's Michael without the storyline, and that's why it feels like they're trying to force something or shoehorn him in. Yeah, you know who they shoehorned in? Matt, who <laughs> only had one scene. Was he even in this? Yeah, in, the, in the beginning. Oh, right. And I think Jane was in it for a hot second, too. Jane is in, like, two scenes because all of a sudden Sydney is, like, the CEO of all time. That's, like, the most... That's an even more ridiculous storyline because it was, like, we don't have anything for them to do now. So now Sydney's got business savvy and she's the CEO of Mancini Designs. Right. Mancini. So here's the thing. Like, I love the show because it is crazy. I love the show because it is camp. But even within that... You still have to have some sort of rules and some sort of consistency. And they're all over the place. It's like spaghetti not sticking to the wall. <laughs> well, okay. So here's, okay. Well, I mean, the one, the one takeaway I had from this episode is Sid took Michael and what's her name? Kimberly took them both for 50 grand. So she got the hundred grand. So it was 50 right. apiece. Remember we had that question. We didn't know for sure, exactly. We weren't yeah. knowing if she was just taking the 50 or if she got 100. So so at least that cleared this that part up. Um, but otherwise, you know, I, I, Jane was underused. Michael, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Like, I was like, well, could we try in a Michael and Jane reconciliation? You know, and why wasn't Michael involved in Sydney becoming CEO? He does own part of the company. That would have been preferable. And then we have stuff for all of our players to do. It would have probably given us a bit more insight into how this ridiculous Sydney on top storyline goes. And then we don't have the dumb Michael as stalker thing, which goes nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so that was basically the Michael storyline, and we can just leave it at that. Yeah. Because I'm angry. I'm actively angry about this. Then we don't need to give it any more of our time or our listeners' time. But I will say this. As I was watching this episode, I kept going, and HBO trusted Darren Starr with a show after this. <laughs> like, that was, like, but, uh, apart from poor Thomas Calabro, that was the other thing that was running through my head. Like, HBO trusted him with Sex and the City after this. What? Anyway. Again, different standards 20 years ago. Apparently. Apparently. Um, So the other storyline that kind of made no sense, so let's just get them all out of the way, is Kimberly at boot camp. What? Okay, not only that, so she's at Camp No More Victims. Camp No More Victims. Um, Not only that, that was like a major heavily hyped thing back in winter spring of uh, 1995 and the fact that Mackenzie Phillips is one of the other women at this camp was considered a coup it was a get and she was so underutilized yeah also she shows up I think earlier that same year on 90210 she is the one who runs the intervention when 
Dylan McKay goes to uh, rehab. Okay, so at this point, was Mackenzie Phillips, was she, was this around the time she was making headlines for whatever, with, with her, the affair she had with her father, or whatever, like, that weird... I think this is right before that. Okay. But I think she'd had a book. I think she, you know, talked about her other affairs, like with Mick, Mick Jagger and stuff. I think the stuff, revelations about her dad, came a bit later. Okay, because I was, because I, I thought it was curious that she was in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, so I was trying to figure out, like, at what point in her career this was, at, w- at which point, you know, which tell-all came out that would have sort of, you know, re reinvigorated her career yeah i think it was i think it was a book but not those revelations okay all right yeah she was completely underused and and how the hell did kimberly end up at no more victims boot camp oh i don't know i guess she found it online and there was no online there was no google (laughs) they were doctors so they must have had some like you know Yahoo chat room for psychos or something. I don't know. So it's like they're they're having this weird like camping experience of like you know it's and they're doing sweat lodges and they're doing um, you know crawling uh, up things and under things and around things like 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 a real boot camp and they're they're doing hand to hand combat and they're and they're chanting no more victims. Uh, yes, to all of this. It, is actually what happened yes it is so strange the 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 bodies of her enemies what did she say the bones the bones of her enemies yeah that's actually awesome by the way and i said this to Alyssa. what is she talking about yeah that was actually awesome i was like oh my god that's fantastic that was like worth it i just feel like well what i said to Alyssa first was I feel like in the 90s, those sweat lodges appeared everywhere. They made you feel like it was a real thing that everyone, like, experienced. But, um, no, it's, I think this whole thing is just to accomplish one and a half things, which is to show that Kimberly is tough and psycho and to show that, like, she is so paranoid. She is really starting to hate everyone at Melrose Place, rightly or wrongly. Yeah, well. Ultimately, like, play a role in the finale. Well, yeah, like while she's in the sweat lodge, she has like this hallucination of um, Amanda, Jane, uh, Joe, and Sydney just basically taunting her, and you know, and yeah, and she's she's she wants to stand on the corpses of her enemies, and yeah, it was like so basically she's at this bizarro place, and she's becoming more and more unhinged. Hey. Listeners, so we're back, and we had some sort of odd technical glitch just a couple of minutes ago while we were recording. It seems like some of the things we said did not make it, so we're going to do our best to recapture what we said. If anything uh, sounds redundant, then that is why, and if there's anything we said the first time around that you don't hear us say now, I'm sorry, that was probably the most brilliant thing we ever said, and it is gone. (laughs) Them's the breaks. Um, But I think where we left off, we were talking about Kimberly in the sweat lodge, being all unhinged, um, having equal hate for those who wronged her and those she wronged. And uh, all I can say is, uh, to Alyssa's point, which was that Matt should have been there too, um, uh, Matt is feeling a little too comfortable, I think, 
thinking that Kimberly is all uh, uh, nicey-nicey with him. Um, and he better watch out because he is not as safe as he thinks. Um, and then we basically said, so that was it for Kimberly. We weren't really feeling camp, no more victims. Um, and I think I made some sort of clever remark about how we are no longer victims because we has moved on. Um, and we're about to talk about another storyline we hate involving Jess and Joe and Jake, but we also digressed and talked about how Allison is even worse as a boss than she is as uh, a regular employee. And what was your question? Well, I also said she had the most ridiculous career path. Uh, I wondered if there was an HR department at D&D. No. Uh, no, there's, not and there's no HR. If the, the people who were let go by Jasmine Guy were ever reinstated. And I said, I don't think they are. And I also said, even more impressive, perhaps, than Allison's three-year rise is um, uh, Brooke, the 35-year-old intern, promoted to account exec overnight. So... Yeah, I mean, when you think about Allison's career tra trajectory at D&D, she was a lowly receptionist for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, at least a year. And it took that woman, Lucy, I think, was that her name? I the, mean, original, the original boss, like, taking a liking oh, to her. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. And I forgot about her. Also, like, didn't Billy get hired as a copywriter? And he's, like, making executive decisions, too. So well... Well, Jasmine Guy promoted him, so he gets to keep that. Yeah, but he's like, so Billy is the most ridiculous character. In the history in the of... Yeah, because like, it's like every woman falls in love with him, and he's like, got the best luck, like... He's a he, Mary Sue. He is a Mary Sue. Like, he treats women awful, like, he's like, I hate the phrase, but he really is toxic masculinity. And he like, they always include him in things. It's like, stay out of it, Billy, you know? Just go write your copy and stay out of it. You know, yeah, I don't quite know what no, role he even has at D&D. No, he's very safe. He's very protected. He's very untalented. There was one day when either Brooke or Allison is, like, talking to him at his cubicle. He's like, I'm trying to write. And it's like, oh, I forgot that you did that at this job. I know. I miss those days where he drove his cab. Mm, yeah. Lots. Long of the cat. By the way, does Allison still have Betsy the car? Or did she upgrade at some point? No, I think she upgraded, didn't she? Was it the car she hit the guy on the bike with? I can't remember now. God, doesn't that feel like so long ago? Oh, it yeah. does. Well, don't tell me that was this season. That was this season. Shut up. Oh, my God. It's like just years ago. Yeah, it's like the rings of a tree. A lot has happened. Good Lord. Okay, so speaking of a lot, should we just go, let's just breeze yeah. through Jess and Joe and the, the, the most ridiculous triangle ever. Yeah I, I, yeah, I cannot impress upon all of you enough how much I hate all of the Joe storylines now. Again, what's the purpose? Oh, the purpose is like Cain and Abel. That's where we're headed. Can't we do this without including Joe as the idiot? Well, there are two answers here. And one is, yes, of course. And the other is, no, it's Melrose Place. It's just, you know, Joe has played the idiot for so long. Well, I know not only that, but they make her a pawn. 
Like, they, they don't give her any agency anymore at all. Well, I mean, she looked like she had plenty of agency in that back alley right there. Whoa. <laughs> fair point, though. What? Uh, I said fair point. Yes. Yes, but but I mean the whole the whole the whole purpose is like it's stupid. I mean, look, she was treating. Anytime we saw her with Jess, Jake's brother, she treated him like well, he was Jake's brother. She was right. friendly. She was kind. She was she, understanding. She was understanding. She was trying to keep the brothers together. She was, you know, careful and caring with him because she wanted to do it for Jake. Then all of a sudden she's in the back alley taking her clothes off and making out with this guy. Yeah, that's basically it. Like, like Jake is kind of smoothing everything over. He's like, don't worry, Jess. We've had our disappointments. I want you to stick around. Let's just keep trying to make things right. It's all good. And meanwhile, Jess just keeps winning over Joe, and I don't know why. Like, I don't see it. I don't see it either. But fall for him, Joe does, because Joe just has to for, for stuff to ratchet up between Jess and Jake. But Jess is capital B, capital A, capital D, bad and you will see more of that like really 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 soon yeah um i mean you know okay so he's he's a thief he's a girlfriend stealer he's a liar he's a liar but i mean he's like just kind of like a bad dude like what does he do that's so hideous like like because you're like he sounds like he like a murderer murderer. yeah and, and i won't say anything more it gets like worse, or is it just he's just like this little scampy jackass? No, really, it really gets worse. Really, it's not a, this is not a thing where like you can be Team Jake or Team Jess. You ultimately hate Jess. Okay, and Joe's just going along for the ride. Uh, yeah. Please tell me she just leaves after this season. No, she sticks around for more. Because they've just treated her so badly. Yeah, she she gives it one more season, and then she skedaddles. And she's like the first of the major departures. And do you, understand why. Do you think Daphne Zuniga was like, oh my god, you guys are like giving me the worst, like this is the worst character ever, I quit? You know, I just keep trying to picture that. Like, did she read the scripts and say like, this is ridiculous, you guys? Or did she read the scripts and say like, okay, whatever. I'll go to set for 10 hours and then go home. Yeah. Uh, I tend to think this is my this is my ultimate take on the show. I think everyone who was there from season one and when they thought it was a, a more serious show hated what the show became and hated how it pigeonholed them as soap like nighttime soap actors. And I think that's why they all fled the second their contracts were up. So I think I think they all were unhappy with it and went with it and kind of like didn't take it home with them because but got it as soon as they could like like re-watching this i just remember it being positioned right as the sort of i mean this is exactly how it was positioned it was the 90210 for the older set so it was like going to resonate with kids in college um you know 
young like young adults in their 20s like that's who it was supposed to sort of you know that was who it was for and like 90210 was definitely soapy but it wasn't necessarily ridiculous that i remember no in fact they ultimately fed each other because 90210 got soapy but but melrose took a turn after season one when they when they came away from the chopping block and stayed on the air and they turned it into a soap. And then it became like a whole big thing about like who was going to sleep with who and, and all this stuff. And, and shortly after that was when 90210's college years began. And that's when it really became a soap following the successful mold that like Melrose 2.0 created. But you see, I don't even mind the soapy stuff. I mind the, the stupid stuff. Well, they were, they both got very stupid. Like, and it just, and I think that you can do soapy and not be stupid. You, you can, but I think no matter what, these shows were always going to be clumsy because they were doing 32 episodes a year. I guess. And because we're talking about it with a different microscope than anyone used 25 years ago. That's true. They didn't have Game of Thrones 25 years ago. They did not. We will talk about that on the other podcast and again next week, ladies and gentlemen. No, we can't talk about it. I haven't seen this week's episode yet. We will talk about it next week. (laughs) I'm behind. Um, Okay, so let's move on to D&D because that was probably the most interesting storyline. Yeah, and I'm glad that you liked it. I did. I did like it. Um, You know, I mean, look, Allison's still the worst boss, um, but... It was, you know, we got some really nice moments of Amanda plotting and scheming and Brooke being in her back pocket. Exactly. Um, which I thought was really great. And, you know, and basically Amanda and Brooke sabotaged one of Allison's presentations to a big client. And it yep. was absolutely... Alyssa, this might be one of the best things she's ever seen on television. It was truly the worst acting I've ever seen. On TV. Yeah, I don't. I didn't care though. It was great. It's amazing. <laughs> the moment was perfect, and I didn't see it coming until it was there. Interesting. So let's describe it. Okay. Okay. So it's what is it? Is it? This isn't Imagine Mabel cookies. It's Mom's cookie. What is this? It's Mama Mama something cookie. I don't know. Hold on a second. It's um. Let's see. I gotta go through my notes. Hold on. Miss Molly. Oh, Miss Molly. Right. So they've got a pitch, and and even though Allison is quote unquote running things now, um, when they have like their planning meeting the day before the pitch, it's Brooke the intern or Brooke the account exec, and Billy the CEO of the world, and Allison, and then Amanda comes into the room, and Allison's like, "We don't need you here, Amanda." And Amanda's like, well, I have some ideas. I know the client. And and then she gives this pitch. And do either of you want to describe the pitch, which is like the most ridiculous thing? Amanda's or Allison? Well, it's the same thing. The Huck Finn thing? Tom Sawyer? Oh, oh, you mean Allison. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, Allison's idea is to do it a very old-fashioned Tom Sawyer-esque commercial. Yes. But Amanda has other ideas. Yes. Do either of you want to describe Amanda's? I don't really remember it. 
Oh, oh my God. Okay. So this is, this was sort of the best because actually I was kind of like, I would watch the shit out of that commercial. So her idea was they had just come out with a fat free line of cookies, which if anybody listeners remember, or maybe not, you might've been too young back in nine in the early nineties was when we had that fat free fad, right? Like all of a sudden everybody late eighties, early nineties, all the fat got taken out of cookies and, and they just like, you know, gave everybody diabetes with all the extra sugar, but it didn't matter because it was all fat free. So, so that they had me at that when they started like, Oh, they have a new fat free line of cookies. I was like, here we go. So they have this new fat free line of cookies and Amanda thinks that they need to be more modern, less old fashioned, especially since there is a, the son is now the head of the company. He's younger. He's hipper. Um, let's take this in a new direction. So her idea was the executive, um, a, a young female up and coming executive opens her desk drawer for a snack and realizes there are no more cookies. She's, she's, she's shattered. There are no more cookies. She doesn't know what to do, but then she looks out the window and she sees a Miss Molly's delivery truck right below the entrance to the, to the, right below her, her office. So she opens up the window and dives 15 stories like Superman into the truck just so that she can have her cookies. And then there was a tagline. I don't remember what it was. It was like worth dying for. I don't remember. It was like it's worth. Like, it's like take the dive in, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. There was some tagline that sort of played off of it. So that was that was um, Amanda's idea for it to like hip it up. And to her credit, Allison's instinct is like, no, Amanda, I'm not going to pitch that. That's a terrible idea. But and then that- she goes to shooters with. Brooks? Was it when they went to Shooters? Um, I think they're at Shooters. Yeah, and Brooke is basically turning Amanda, uh, Amanda Allison around and saying, don't let your feelings and your dislike and your distrust of Amanda get in the way of, like, you know, something that could be really good for the company. Right. Hmm. And now, I can't remember... Is there an, an interaction between Allison and Billy before the actual pitch? Oh. Well, did that happen before or after? I don't know. Hold on. Let me see. I think there's a big interaction, and that does happen after. Yeah, it's after because there's um, uh, Brooke and and um, Billy go play mini golf. Oh, no, that's Justin Joe. Never yeah, mind. Justin Joe play. And she's like, I didn't know places like this existed. And now it's like, shut up, Joe. Yeah, I'm sorry. That was bad, 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 bad. Oh, yeah, no, because Allison leaves. And um, and that's when Brooke comes on to Billy and he turns her down. Right. She's like, Billy, it's very clear I love you. And he's like, I don't know what to make of you, Brooke, in a way that signals Billy knows what to make of Brooke. Yeah. It'll take us two more segments to get there. Yeah, Billy's like, it's too complicated. And she's like, you know what? I'm tired of chasing you. You missed your chance. Yeah. Oh, playing that fool like a fiddle. Exactly. So so then we get to the pitch. <laughs> so Amanda, Amanda Allison decides that she's going to go with Amanda's idea. Yeah, in front of uh, the, the son of Miss Molly or whatever. Yeah. Um, nerdy- yeah we've ever seen on a show oh my god your face he was absolutely he's worse than bruce 
<laughs> oh, Bruce was my favorite. Bruce was the best. But yeah, this guy is like, if you ever saw head of the class, if you remember Arvid, like the biggest nerd, this is him 90s style. But yes, yeah. Allison does Amanda's pitch. Yeah, I mean, Allison is terrible at reading people. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like one look at him and you'd have been like, yeah, the old fashioned Huck Finn. He'll yeah, go for yeah. that. <laughs> you know, he's not going to want to have like an executive diving out her window to go dive into a truckload of cookies. But she decides that she's going to go for it, and go for it she does. Yeah. Yeah, and as she's sort of, like, pitching this com- this commercial, Tyler is looking unhappier and unhappier and more scandalized as she goes on and on and on. And Yeah, and she is not getting it. No, she is not getting it. So she, she does the pitch completely. And I don't even remember the first thing that he says. He stands up and he goes like, what kind of cruel person are you? Or something like that. Yeah. And his mom committed suicide by jumping out a 15-story window. Listener, Amanda set Allison up for a fall. And you know who helped her? No pun intended. Pun intended. Brooke helped her because Brooke Brooke knows the family. Whole thing. And Brooke knew the whole family history. And so Amanda concocted this pitch that would make Allison look like just a terrible person. Yeah. So so he storms out. And then Allison is, shall we say, upset. Um, and she goes back into her office, which has like a 1960s TV in it. I <laughs> noticed for the first time. Um, and then Billy comes in after when he goes like, Hey, are you okay? And she's basically like, I need you to be a friend to me. Take me out to dinner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, she like demands that he take her to dinner. And I love that she was like, there's betrayal everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how people talk. Yeah. There's betrayal everywhere. I need a friend. Take me out to dinner. And he's like, okay. So so they do. He takes her out to dinner and they go back to Melrose. And she tries to seduce him by using, like, boss talk. <laughs> and it really doesn't go well. And he's like, I gotta go. And the long story short, he runs right to Brooke's house in Pasadena. And, like, a 12-year-old throws pebbles up at her window. Yeah. How does he even know which one is her bedroom, but whatever. I don't know. It doesn't even matter because she had a staircase that led right up. That's true. Yeah. So he really didn't need to throw pebbles. Oh, five-year-old interns do. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and so, yeah. So he, she basically chased him right into the arms of Brooke. Yeah. I mean, it was bound to happen sooner or later, but, yeah. um, yeah, I don't think we have much longer before Allison sees what's going on. Oh, thank God. Because the next day, you know, after Brooke is hooked up with her ex-fiance and everything else, you know, Allison calls Brooke into her office and she's like, you're the only friend I have. I need you to spy on Amanda. It's like an odd bait and switch because she comes in and calls in Brooke like she's going to yell at Brooke. But no, what she basically says is just that. Like, yeah, I need need a spy, spy on Amanda. Which is sort of putting... Brooke in a very interesting position because I don't know where Brooke's loyalties ultimately lie here. 
um, I think it's safe to say they're not with Allison. Right. But it's just when she came on board, it was with Allison. She sabotaged Amanda's award. Yeah, because Brooke would have had to have been the amazing Kreskin to like to know exactly what the politics was at D&D to be like, Allison is the patsy I need to get in. Right, exactly. Like, why is why does she need Allison as the patsy? Like, it didn't like like once again, like it doesn't make any sense. And I mean, I get her like angling and being manipulative and weird, and even all of this stuff with Amanda is like okay, like she she's gonna back a winning horse here because Allison just is terrible at her job. But at the same time, it does the. It just, it just was like too fast. You know, there was no conflict there for her to say, hmm, there, there was no reason for her to like kind of switch allegiances right away. Right, and also uh, from the outside, I don't think Brooke has any idea who Billy is. So it's not like she was trying to use that to maneuver her way into D&D to get at Billy. She could have done that anyway. Um, so it's, it, it's like, well, let's just bring Brooke in and... It's convenient for her to win that, to, to let Allison win that award because it'll piss off Amanda. But now we're just going to spin this into something else. But it really does make Brooke Allison's true new rival. As opposed to, now do you think they were, I mean, is this to move that sort of rival rivalry away from Allison and Amanda because it's getting old? Um, I, I don't even think it because it's getting old. I think it's part of like, what seems to me a deliberate desire to reposition Amanda as the true protagonist and, and like true lead at the front of the pack and just push Allison back down into the ensemble. Interesting. So this is when they really made, they pulled Heather Locklear away from being that sort of vampy vixen and... Yeah, like they were always giving her all the press, but this is where they, I think, try and make her be more than just the resident house bitch. Okay. And by doing that, they need her to not constantly be harping on Allison. Does Allison finally leave D&D? Um, yes and no, and then eventually yes. Okay. Because at this point, I don't see her keeping her job. Well, I will tell you, soon she will have a different position somewhere else. Okay, I think that's really but that necessary. Will not last long. Oh, because she's a terrible employee. No, because of something else that happens. Ooh. So I guess we have to keep watching. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess we do. <laughs> I guess we have to keep watching. Um, one thing that we missed um, what, that that I sort of saw in my notes that I thought was really interesting was that little like bitch fight at the mailboxes between Amanda and Sid. <laughs> Amanda, yeah, that's true. You know, and I love that. I live for those moments, whether it's Kimberly and Sid or Amanda and Sid, because those are sort of great. But yeah. I mean, it's basically, you know, Sid preening about being president or CEO or whatever of Mancina Designs and saying, I hate D&D's ads. I expect it. I, I want a meeting next week. Yeah, she's like, Mancini has designs are really unhappy with the work you've been doing. And also, then Sid says something about, like, you're doing really bad work with Allison at the helm. Like, how does Sid even know about the inner workings of d and I don't know. I mean, I don't even know. But Sid barely has a job. Well, doesn't matter. Does she still work at Shooters? I don't know. She's, she's <laughs> oh, yeah, did she put in a notice now that she's CEO? Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't know. We haven't seen her harping on Jess recently, so I guess maybe uh, that ship has sailed. Maybe. I will say, I love it when we find out that the characters know more about the other ones at Melrose than, like, it would be obvious just on, like, who's connected via storyline. So I did appreciate that Sid knew what was happening with Allison at D&D. It just makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> but it was nice to have, you know, Sid be bitchy and Amanda be bitchy right back. Like, I think she was like, what are you doing in grown-up clothes or something like that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's always funny when Sid even thinks she's at Amanda's level because she's so junior varsity. But, but I love it when she does. Yeah, because it's always perfect. Yeah. So that was sort of like, you know, the high point. Yeah, I would, I would have to say so. The reason I, to watch the episode was for that scene. It, yeah, it certainly wasn't for No More Victims. No, definitely not No More Victims. I'm trying to remember exactly what happens next week, and I can't. So uh, I'll be surprised a little bit myself to see how much of the story unfolds in the next episode. Or but how I, much they decide to give up the story and start a new one. Well, could happen. Yeah, could happen. But I think, I mean, I do think we're kind of sticking with what we got. Oh, oh, but I do know something amazing is also in store for Matt. That, that we have not seen any inkling of yet. He gets a scene? He gets more than one. Ooh. More than two. Ooh. Yeah, in fact, it's probably like Matt's like biggest storyline. Oh, good. Cause... Yeah, well, you say that now. Oh, no. Just you wait, Karen Higgins. Yeah. Oh, no. I will say, there is, yeah, Matt and Joe have some real shit waiting for them. <laughs> I mean, is it shit that gets sort of, like, twisted up together, or is it just separate shit? Separate. Oi. But, Matt doesn't deserve that. No, Matt doesn't deserve any of this. It's just why Alyssa's always like, Matt should move. At this point, I feel like Joe should move, too. Jake should move. Yeah. Jake really should move. Yeah, Jake should move. And Jake should get rid of his brother. Yeah. Well, just watch. We will. I gotta say, the finale is amazing. And if you don't like how all of these different storylines end up in the finale, then um, this is not the show for you. Well, I need a payoff here, so hopefully we'll get one. I think so. I'm really excited just to watch it with Alyssa. Excellent. But we're still, that's like six episodes away, I think. Oh, Five. God. Okay. And that was, uh, that was this episode on the block. Yeah, we were, we were on the block. We're heading to Hollywood Boulevard, but really we're going straight to Broadway this, this week, right? Yeah, very specifically to Broadway. We've got some theater talk coming up yet again. Yeah, and a lot of it, because it's the, the season wrapped up, the Tony nominations are out, there's a lot to discuss. Yeah, we're going to talk about the good, the bad, the fugly, uh, the so, good, the bad, the Gary. So follow us over there. We will see you on Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs>